Chapter 8 The Carpet Beaters Jim knew that he would have to make his break before old Marion did her rounds for the night. He had no idea how he was going to do it. At supper time he stuffed his cheese in his pocket and Tip passed his own share along to him. At the end of the meal Mr Sisson stood up on his dace. All the shuffling and whispering stopped. He moved his body slowly round, which was his way of fixing his eyes on everyone, freezing them like statues. I'm looking for some big boys, he said, to help the carpet beaters. He waited in the silence, but nobody moved. Just as I would expect, a rush to help. When there is sickness in the wards, a cold sigh seemed to ripple through the room. Mr Sissons laughed into it in his dry, hissing way. It might be cholera, my dears. That's what I hear. Of 2,000 mouths to feed here, and someone has to earn the money. Cholera or not, somebody has to buy the medicines, somebody has to pay for the burials. He moved his body round in its slow, watchful circle again. Plenty of big, strong boys here, eating every crumb I give them, and never a word of thanks. He stepped down from the dais and walked along the rows, coughing boys on the backs of their heads as he passed them. I want you all up in the women's wards straight after supper, and you don't come down again till all the carpets are done. What's carpets? asked Jim. Dunno, dunno, Tim whispered. They come from the rich houses, and the women here beat them, and then they send them back. I'm going with them, Jim said suddenly, standing up as soon as the older boys did. A daft boy you are, said Tip. He asked for the big boys. You're coming or not? Jim darted off again. The big, sorry, Jim darted off after the big boys and Tip ran after him. They were taken into one of the infirmary wards. As soon as he saw the people in the beds, Jim thought again about his mother. Was this the room she had been taken into the night they arrived? He wondered whether anyone would have remembered her coming, whether anybody, anyone had spoken to her. Sorry. The air was thick with dust and heavy with a um, rhythmic thudding sound. Lines had been strung from one end of the wall to the other and carpets flung across them. Women and big boys with their sleeves rolled up were hitting the carpets with flattened sticks and at every stroke the dust shivered in the air like clouds of flies. In the beds the sick people gasped and coughed and begged of water and the old nurse shuffled from patient to patient and moaned with them and told them off in turns. The women in charge of the carpet beaters came down the row and stood with their, with her hat sorry. The woman in charge of the carpet beaters came down the row and stood with her hands on her hips, watching Tip and Jim. The boys stood on their toes, trying to reach the middle of the carpets with their sticks. Jim was still so stiff from the beating that he could hardly flex his shoulders. Now, who sent you two along? The woman laughed. Might as well get a pair of spiders to come and do the job. Jim staggered back, exhausted, and let the beating, uh, beating stick drop. We're really strong though, he said. Look, and he bent his arm back, squeezing his fist to try to make a muscle bulge. And we'd do anything to help Mr. Sissons, wouldn't we, Tip? You're supposed to 
trashed the carpet, not tickled them. The woman bent down suddenly and scooped Jim up in her arms. Oh, you're a big boy, you are. She pressed him to her. Not too big for a cuddle. Jim struggled to get himself free again, and the woman laughed and lowered him down. Need a more, you do? She said, smoothing her apron, like I need a little boy. Lost mine as soon as I came in here. Lost my little boy. But who'd want to bring up a child in here, eh? Come on, Jim, said Tip, embarrassed. We could go back to the sewing room and do our sacks. Well, we want to help, Jim said. We're good at carrying, ain't we, Tip? Are you now? The woman said. Well, then before you go, you can just help me carry this carpet out to the yard. The man, sorry, the man's out there waiting with his cart. She hoisted up a long rolled up carpet by the middle and nodded to Jim and Tim to take each end. Between them, they managed to get it past the beds and the beaters down and down the winding staircase. At the end of the corridor, the matron sat by the doorway, knitting a black shawl. Without looking at them, she unlocked the door and sank back into the dim pool of her candlelight to carry on with her knitting. And outside the door were the railings and the gate. Jim knew it was a gate he had come in by all those months ago. He could smell air, miles and miles of air. He could hear the voices of ordinary people in the street outside. He could hear the cries of the city. A man stood just inside the gate with a cart and when the carpet woman called out to him, he came towards them to help, calling something out to her that made her laugh. Now, you can run back in boys, the woman said, pushing her hair under the cap and straight back to your sack making mind no more carpet beating for you little spiders till you're twice your size don't you think so thomas her voice was light and laughing but the boys could see by the way she turned her smiling face up towards a man that he was a friend of hers and that she was far more interested in him than she was sorry she was far more interested in him than she was in them sorry when she followed him to the shadows under the wall, they knew that she had forgotten all about them. And Jim's wild thing was thudding in his chest. Tip, he whispered. There was a gate wide open with the cart halfway inside it. There was a road and the gleam of lamplights and the clapping of horses' hooves. He felt a rearing of fear and excitement inside him. This was a moment. He felt for his friend's hands and gripped it tight. I don't, I don't, Tim whispered back. Don't forget me, Jim. His hand slipped away. Far away in the back of his mind, Jim heard the scuff of the boots on the snow and knew that Tip had run back into the house. Jim crept forward, invisible in the deep shadows, and stood hardly uh, breathing just inside the gate. He heard the carpet woman laughing quietly, and at that moment, he took his chance. He slinked himself like a cat into a thin, small shape and glided out of the gate. He tiptoed along the other side of the railings and stood with his breath in his mouth till a cart rumbled past. He darted out behind it and ran alongside it until he was well past the workhouse, till his breath was bursting out of him. At last he fell weak and panting into the dark well of a side alley. He was free.